to have this guest on um charles hugh smith and i discussed um something that this uh this guest had actually published on his website and charles had actually discussed uh kind of a quick quick note about uh, what my guest uh does but um if anybody hasn't had me talk about it uh the stages of of uh i don't know how i would say it, probably the stages of resilience or um uh it basically uh, i'm gonna have a link in the notes for this um in the notes of this episode so you guys can download and read it um but he is a part-time attorney patent attorney full-time badass and full-time uh <laughs> part-time in uh, japan uh mr marvin is it matzenbacher yeah that's right so i hope you don't mind me calling you a full-time badass marvin well i've i've listened to some of your podcasts now and uh I, I take that as an extreme compliment. Thanks so much. It's probably over, you know, it's not deserved, but um, we'll find out, huh? Yeah. Uh, well, I, I have two com two uh, themes. One is the stage of lo local resilience, where that came from, what it means. And secondly, I want to explain myself a little bit because I'm accused of thinking outside the box too much and not being in the box sometimes. But the reason is for that is, my background, my experience is so diverse. I really don't know what's freaking normal because I lived in Japan as a, as a scientist uh, working in R&D at a large corporation, the middle of the corporation with people working under me as well as over me. You know, it's kind of cold turkey, just jump in there for four years and had to learn to learn the, how they, the motivations of people there is so upside down and so different. It's just unbelievable, you know, it's just totally different. And, and then I come here, I, when I was a kid, we, uh, we grew our own food. So I was this uh, poor, dirty, little 10-year-old pulling a red wagon behind him, peddling excess vegetables to the neighbors. I was so humiliated, you know, and, and, uh, and I've worked on farm, you know, farms as a farm laborer, you know, for very low, you know, low money and, now, and I've worked more recent years, I've worked in uh, major law firms as, a, as an attorney on very important projects with guys that make multi-million dollars per year as friends. And, and the way they talk, and I, when I was in college and before then, I used to hitchhike to find myself. And I hung out and lived with vagrants and people that um, took pride in having no job and, and just taking handouts because they're, they're superior because they don't work, you know, and I have all these different kinds of people that have informed me of what their life is. And, you know, I, it's really hard for me to, you know, I, I don't know where people are sometimes because um, I'm working now. And uh, as I mentioned before, I spend about a third of my time on K street with, uh, you, know, you know, rubbing elbows with the people that, that 
the psychopaths that run our country for us. And then two thirds of my time, I'm on my small, isolated, remote island building a community. Yeah, which is awesome. It's just the opposite of that. And I have this contrast all the time. And I kind of learned to keep my mouth shut because um, part of my, I'm very idealistic. I went to, most of my dreams have come true. I want to become a scientist. I worked as a scientist and I want to be a college professor. I taught biochemistry for a couple of years. I got interested in the problems of aging, why we age. I love biochemistry. Uh, I look at something, I always thinking about the chemicals in it and stuff. So I, I did research in biochemistry and contributed to learning about aging and you know, got my PhD in nutrition after having a graduate degree in molecular biology teaching biochemistry. So I know the details of what goes on really well. And I can't talk to people about diet. They start screaming at me because what I say doesn't jive with what the commercials teach them and that's where we get all our information and I just give up you know I just right now I'm I spend all my time working with engineers on mostly solar energy our clients our main clients I I I co-manage us a law firm Uh, we're opening an office in Osaka mostly because I want to live in Japan and I'm transitioning over there uh I have a wife who's um Japanese wife who, you know, every day you can find her at some point herding goats in the street in front of our house. Maybe a car goes by every once an hour or something. Um, at the same time, she's also a, a pan attorney and she, she helps do licensing for a, a, a biomedical research center in Kobe. And That's- so we both of us have have this very diverse set of experiences that were that's they're ongoing. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it, but that's um that's that's pretty awesome. I think I think it's it's interesting to hear like your your variety of experiences and there's like uh on all those things like I definitely have have some questions um now uh so when you <clears throat> I guess what 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 made you get on the path of resilience? Because it sounded like you know you worked in corporate America a while, then you worked for for an edu- for then you worked for a school, and then you went on and 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 you became like an attorney. I mean, you, you've you've definitely succeeded at wearing multiple hats. What was finally you know like you know I just want to go and move to this remote island on Japan. Okay. Um- I, I'm a, I have to revert to the big picture now, um, where I'm at most of the time anyway. But um, the human civilization, the whole world, is going through a paradigm shift, a very basic paradigm shift. The age of science is over. Um, I, I enjoyed the tail end of that, being a scientist. But all the, all the really good stuff, all the low-hanging fruit from the trees, all the most of the really practical stuff has has been done. I mean, there's always going to be some science, but we're in a consolidation now. All the information that we've struggled so hard for over the years and centuries is all at your fingertips from the internet. What we the, the next challenge is putting it all together and making your own communities. Every single problem, every basic problem you can think of is solved by the small, resilient community. All the problems, even... Um, even the problems of the computers, you know, taking over our jobs, everything is solved by that. And so a few years ago, I got divorced and uh, 
starting thinking clearly about what, you know, more objectively, around four years ago or so, maybe a little longer, uh, it became clear to me that, you know, as a lawyer, I see all this, you know, all the new patents, they're not improving our lives. They're, 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 they really are, whether they're pharmaceutical patents that are making up trivial reasons to, to take old drugs and make us continue to pay way too much for them, or in the, the computer science area where most of the new patents are designed for the, the big corporations to, to spy on us and keep us from using our software unless we pay them and, and, or, or let them know we're using it. You wouldn't believe how most of the technology is not is not good for us, you know. And I'm looking at all these changes and realizing I want to get out of here, you know. Yeah. And um, when I think about the next the next type of living that we should all be doing, Japan has been doing has the best history and has the best future for it. Um, talk about community. Think about what happened in, in Fukushima. What people don't realize, we hear about, well, these big disasters, people don't riot, they don't steal, and so on. Um, I, I had friends in Kobe, I, my relatives and friends in Kobe, after the earthquake, they would wait in line to go into the devastated uh, drugstore and, and take a toothbrush that they need, and then they'd sign it out, basically. Well, in Fukushima, you've heard about how people, how people were. What you'd, there's a couple things that are kind of interesting that people probably don't know about. After Fukushima, for at least a year, all festivals in Japan were canceled. Every single one. That's pretty crazy. Because it's it's like a community. The whole country is like a community out of uh, you know empathy and sympathy. And I know a lot of people that you know older people that are retired were streaming up there to help out. You know. Materials with them. That's one thing. Another interesting point is, you know, all the nuclear power plants were shut down, so they lost like 25 or 30 percent of the electricity. You never heard of any blackouts or or uh, problems from that, did you? I mean, that's no. interesting thing. And I noticed that when that happened, the elevators were turned off. The uh, during lunchtime, every single light, and I'm talking about major, you know, you know, giant skyscrapers, all the lights are turned off and people would sleep at their desk with lights off to save energy. Even my, my wife had, uh, they rescheduled her vacation so that they could turn the building off, you know, the different power and so on. Every uh, air conditioners were turned off so that, you know, the, or the thermostats were set up so it was like really hot everywhere. The government uh, told people stop wearing neckties. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. So, this is what this is a real community, and this is a kind of community spirit that makes and breaks a country. It's no, I mean, it's having oil or having, you know, having you know, technologies available on the internet that doesn't make a country great. Um, oil doesn't do it. It's really the how you respond to problems and. This, you know, resilience is a big, you know, is, is, is it. I mean, the, the Japanese had resilience for, for hundreds of years before they were opened up by, by Perry, the black ships from America. They had a, a very stable, very highly populated area, but they had, um, they had a real culture. And they developed uh, 
uh, a sense of, you know, a, a lot of things. But there's a lot of good things that I see there for uh, opera. I, I could go on. I, I'm kind of, I don't want to get lost here. No, but you're fine. There, there's, uh, there's tremendous opportunity. For example, <clears throat> I, I bought, you know, I'm, I'm cashing in all my retirement, getting out, you know, walking away from the system, which is, the, the by the way, the basis for the stages of local resilience. That's really walking away occurs in steps. But, but I'm getting ahead of myself. The, uh, in, in Japan, I, I bought, uh, I'm taking my retirement. I, you know, what do you want to do with, with, your, with your resources? Well, farmland is important. <clears throat> and all these independent things like your, your permaculture is very important. So what I'm doing is my own permaculture. I bought some farmland, beachfront property. You know, before I bought it, uh, the guys gave me a 10-year lease for free. All I had to do was have a plan to use it. That's how much, uh, that's how, how, much, how many uh, resources. There, there's all sorts of uh, vacant land, vacant houses. Imagine a population that's dropping, and there's beautiful land, especially farmland, that you can basically take for a song. I mean, if you want to own it, you have to spend a little money on it, but if you promise to farm it, you can get it for free. I know a lot of places like that in Japan. Yeah, and there's even places here in the States, so if people didn't want to leave, I know Joel Salton talks about it quite a bit. Like, There's a lot of old farmers that don't want to see their land become developed. They want to see people farm it. Well, I, that's, that's a good... I, I hadn't thought of that. So Joe Salton in Virginia here. Yeah, yeah, one of your, uh, one of your state locals there, Marvin. <laughs> yeah. I have been wanting, wanting to go visit his operation, but he's kind of focused on beef and, and milk and cheese and eggs and stuff. And that's, that's not my, my diet. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Gotcha. What do you, so what do you, do you predominantly just eat vegetables then? Like more, more of a plant-based? Um, when I was about 30 years ago, or for, I forget how many years ago, it was a long time ago. I was a graduate student in nutrition and, uh, I understood, I learned, this is a story that you can't find anywhere. I was hoping someone would write a book on it. Um, I studied the molecular mechanisms of how our bodies work and realized that, I mean, I could, I could, you know, explain to you tech, technically, you, you'd understand, you know, different enzymes and yeah, how yeah. they work. But our bodies are not designed for animal protein. They're not designed for animal fat. And when I realized that, I stopped eating ice cream, butter, cheese, uh, bacon, that sort of thing. And uh, I've been that way ever since. So I, you know, I, um, if you get a heart attack and you get real serious, yeah, you'll, you'll end up with my diet. Oh, it's interesting. I've, I find people that, you know, they get their heart attacks and then they eat the same way I do, basically. Yeah. Do you think it could be? Cause like I've had a lot of, like I recently changed my diet. Like I eat a ton of vegetables now, but I only eat like pastured animals or, or grass fed beef. And I've noticed a lot of health benefits from that. Um, do, you, do, you, do you think it would be, do you think it, it has anything to do with maybe age or has anything to do with the individual's body? Oh yeah. A lot has to do with the individual. We're all different. Um, each person, this is kind of exciting too, right? It's, it's fun. Yeah. We're what does my body deal handle? Yeah. It, yeah, I, absolutely. It, we're all different. Um, 
because I, I I cut out a lot of um like wheat and uh, I tried to cut out a lot of gluten and it made me feel a lot better. Like I felt I just felt a lot better and it could have been a placebo effect of hey I want this to work, um but like I just felt better and I uh, I noticed um I don't know just like my my people say like I look healthier. It's kind of a weird thing, but it could be the way I carry myself too. So it's 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 there's a lot of things that could. I mean, our our minds have a huge effect on our bodies. So, and it's just kind of a interesting thing. I mean, I, I definitely, I, I I'm always open to hear you know different different things. Like I I definitely think personally, like the we need to eat food that we grow. I think like that's that's the biggest thing. Like I eat so many vegetables now, and I and I think that's a huge reason why I feel so much better. Yeah, there's a. Uh, I think that's wonderful. Uh, as I said before, before uh, when I first was talking with you uh permaculture and self you know self-sufficiency is in food is such a wonderful thing it's there's nothing better in the world if someone to focus on something to make the world better or make one's life better i can't think of anything you know any better topic or subject to get into yeah so how did you Come on. So when did you stumble on the permaculture? Because I know you and you yeah. incorporate a lot of that into what you do in Japan, yeah. correct? Yeah. Um, well, my my wife's on board with this. Um, looking at the, the trends of the world, I joined a, a group of people that were stacking silver about five years ago. And where we, we had meetings and we were all planning to uh, build our own refuge for when things get bad place you know a good place we could all go to and so we actually went out and we're you know started looking at properties and the whole concept is to walk away my i have a lot of freedom and i've exercised it and basically i just walk away from bad situations and though our country is really getting worse and worse all the time we you're you don't talk about this in your podcast because you're very uh, optimistic. I think that's one of the nice things about it. Um, so I, I won't get into that. You know, you don't. We don't want to go. We can we can visit it real quick. I, I think like somebody said it best to me was, I I I pretty much my message is the system is broken, but it's okay. We're gonna we, you're gonna be okay, and uh, and I but I 100 percent agree with you. Like. It's not getting better. I mean, the the whole the whole intervention of the United States military and everything is kind of it's terrifying. Yeah, what I see as a lawyer, all the laws, even patent law. This is really this has really got me going. Even the patent law has been redone by the elite to screw the little guy, and and uh, the, there's no level playing field anywhere. I mean. When they came to the pan law and screwed that up, oh my God! I mean, as a pan lawyer, I I, you know, I care about that, right? And yeah, as a pan lawyer, it took a while to even understand it. Everything is so complicated; you don't realize what they're doing because it's all you know, it's legal and um, it's procedural. Even the pan law, I, I would tell all their pan attorneys, "Do you realize this new law does this?" They go, "No, this is America. We wouldn't do that. We'll check the, you know, read it." You know, and you read, you go, oh, yeah, using a, there's a little trick somewhere, such as uh, uh, you've got like six months to find out that someone's stolen your invention. If you don't file a lawsuit, it's over, you know, stuff like that. 
little tricks that um, the uh, everywhere I look is is just it's 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 whatever. There's a handful of very elite people that have that own the government, and they just pass laws to to, to shove all the wealth and ownership into their pocket. It's 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 over. It's over. So, what do you do? Um, just walk away. Yeah. Money out of the system, and so this group I, I belong to um, was doing just that, and walking away, you do it in steps, and every part of our life, there's a way to, to make a step. You know, going golf is, is a crude way of one one view of that, but you, you go golf or, or walk away from the system in, in little steps, and someone needs to make a nice website where we can go, you know measure each step but an attempt in that direction is to make a list of what do we need to live and where how do we actually go and make ourselves independent self-resilient actually the group i was belong to was really serious about buying land and doing it you know finding creating our own freedom and doing everything ourselves so what do you need as a community? Food, clothing, shelter, electrical energy, heating energy, water, education, medical services. Um, interesting thing uh, that Charles Hughes Smith talked to mention when you interviewed, talked with him the other time was that most jobs involve food, I think he said. Yeah. We, we, we keep hearing about, well, we got bartending, waitressing, McDonald's. Um, it's all food. Um, it's interesting. Now I'm living in this small community. Um, it's all food. You know, most <laughs> of our, our interactions. Um, I'll give you an example. Uh, this, is, this, is, this is why I, I enjoy it so much. I was visiting. Uh, I wanted to meet a guy to talk who's installing solar panels for uh, a company. And he's, he's on a boat, you know. So we call him. He, he, he drives his boat over to the dock and we talk to him. And while we're talking, he's got this big fish, right? It's flopping around. He says, here, take this. You know, like, okay, I got a big fish now, you know, which I love, right? Absolutely. And then, and then walking home a few blocks from there, uh, we run across some other neighbors. And, hey, take this fish. You know, like, <laughs> you know, so now they got the fish, you know. It's like it's uh, passing food around is, is, is a way of uh, saying hello. We, we, we enjoy, you know, living and here you are. We like you and... I come home sometimes, and I swear there's here's here's a small bushel of, of fruit. I have no idea where it came from. <laughs> you know? And my my wife comes, you know, she you know for dinner she comes by with a bunch of peas, you know, and says, "Oh, I know you son had extra peas, so I helped him pick," you know, and you know, and it's all food. Uh, every in a typical day, um, at least three or four neighbors, multiple times probably. Uh, We'll stop by, walking by, and there's always some food transfer. Yeah. You know, it's amazing. Um, and you look at, you know, uh, my wife spends time cooking, and and you know, how much time do we spend? If you do it yourself, if you have your own life, you know, it's all food. It's, it's so much of it. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 like the well, something else too. Food is uh, food is like one of our not only is it you know how we survive but it's also one of our number one sources of entertainment so i mean food and restaurant industry is like a big big source of entertainment so then you think about it 
you know, when you are resilient, that's still going to be the case. But now, you know, it's, it's instead of, you know, let's go to this restaurant. It's, Hey, let's, let's, let's cook a meal with this, with this group of people, or let's, let's do this activity with this group of people. And it's a food related activity, but also, you know, something just in, in me traveling, something that I always found was like the best way to learn about a culture was where I was staying. And the best way people did was people wanted to make you some of their food from their culture or their family recipe. And they want to share that with you because that's something that's been passed down from a lot of times for generations. That's a very good point. I, I had forgot about that. That's, that's actually a very basic thing. One thing that surprises me about Japan is that every town, even separate wards in Tokyo, have their own native food. It's weird. That's awesome. You know, it's, you know, they have a, like, I mean, I'll give you an example. Uh, one place in north of Tokyo, a small town, they have a special tofu candy. I mean, I didn't like it, but it was really <laughs> weird. It was really weird. Um, I lived in Tokyo for a few months, um, and one of the old, very old neighborhoods, and we had our own very, very special food that had been passed down for well over a hundred years, probably a few hundred years, and and like everyone takes pride in it, right? And oh, my my island, for example, we have we have special foods that you only find there. It's, it's people really get into it. I think the point is if people are allowed to live their lives, develop their own culture without war and without being screwed around by other people. These things happen spontaneously. And that's what I like so much about Japan because they were closed to the outside world for hundreds of years and they developed all these neat stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I definitely think, um, I definitely agree. I think, you know, something to look at too, that I think, um, is, you know, what what Cuba's done as well, like the the fact that you know Cuba, once that embargo took place, you know they just started growing their food like in every space they could, and I think it's going to be interesting now that it's getting more opened up, and mm-hmm. when, when people can go to Cuba again from the United States, I think it's going to be interesting too. I think people there's probably going to be a lot of interesting techniques that people have developed that because they they were they were forced into resilience. So, and it's, and it's, and it really just like the, our my conversation with Charles, it's, that really is the ground level for innovation. That's, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, the ground level of innovation has always been agriculture. The, I mentioned before my conviction, we're, we're entering a new paradigm where there's a big shift, just as a, just as big a shift as settlement agriculture, where, we learn the technology of staying put and putting seed in the ground and cultivating crops rather than hunter gathering, right? Yeah. That was a technology development. And the Industrial Revolution was another technology development. If you even even America, you know, America's number one, America's great. Why is that? I had a, when I was in graduate school, a friend from Iran was visiting me, a graduate student. Um went to school with me, you know, UC Davis, and we're out in the, we're out in an almond, no, it was some kind of, it was springtime, there's flowers blooming, and, and we're looking, we entered, we encountered this giant machine, Harvester, he looked at me and said, Marvin, this is why America's great. It was yeah. a giant 
harvester, he said in Iran or in the Middle East, you go to the, you go to the market, there's, you pick up a piece of fruit, you don't know some cat's crapped on it, you know, and where it came from. He said, you know, America, you got these giant combines and, you know, um, we have, uh, people don't realize that all of our great universities were land-grant colleges based on agriculture. Yeah. Corn, you know, and we're number one in agriculture. Yeah. And then it's, it's interesting that the, uh, another thing to kind of like tie permaculture into this is that like where permaculture came from with, uh, Bill Molson and people in Australia where you don't think is ideal for growing land. Um, well, it, it's interesting to see where that's come from. But now in the States, you know, it's really starting to gain ground. Like people are, you know, there's, there's plenty of people that are building their own resilient thing. And, and I think we're also blessed, the United States, to have the great greatest land, I think, to grow food. But, yeah, and it's, and it's after we stole it from the Indians. Yeah. It's really cheap. It's, you know, there's a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyways, I, I, I kind of, I kind of, uh, I think I got you off topic. Um, uh, but uh, so with, um, with you in Japan, like with your resilient community, um, and you know, we're, we're talking about agriculture, ground up innovation. Um, you know, we, you'd mentioned to me in an email when I invited you on that right now you yourself are trying to develop some, uh, tools for, for, uh, for farming. That's right. And if, if you're interested or you know someone who's interested, I'd, I'd like to work, you know, I can't do stuff by myself. I, um, you know, solar electric is the, the energy of the future. So actually, that's what I'm focusing on. I I started a, a small bit. I've started, a, I have a startup company, Local Grid, where I'm working with, I have some other people. In Japan, I I, re, I converted an old warehouse on the waterfront into a home. And doing that, I had to do all my electric stuff. And I had to come build my own circuits and things because what's available now doesn't make sense it's too expensive and it does stuff you don't need so i've been working on electric but it based on solar electric and so i think that so anyways because i've been working on this people come by and take pictures and they say well, they want to start a company with me so we're starting a company where we harvest energy locally and use it self-resilience in electrical energy as well based on that how do you do agriculture so I have a, my garden has a couple thousand watt solar panels shed where I have um, my, my cultivators, rototillers are electric. I, I built a 36 inch wide rototiller that I plug into my solar, my own solar grid, if you will. And we use that, grass cutters are electric. And I need, what I'm working on is uh, seed planters that are also electric and solar powered, solar electric powered, I and, and also weeders. I have some prototypes I can send you pictures of. Yeah, definitely. I can, um, if you want, I could put them in the notes um, of the podcast so yeah, people like can see work, them. Yeah, I'd like to work with others. I, I found a mechanical guy, mechanical engineer guy in uh, Japan who's who's inventing so, uh, far, uh, small farm equipment, but he doesn't do electric, which it's a good match for us. Yeah. Um, you know, something just else to kind of add to, uh, you know, 
you and your situation, I mean, you, you wrote the stage of resilience and sometimes I go all over the place, Marvin, because I'm, I'm having a lot of fun talking to you and I want to listen to what you have to say. So I don't mind us going down some rabbit holes. Um, but, uh, you know, you talk about like you guys in your community and in your resilience, um, and you know, not to, not to jump around too much. Uh, what do you guys do with, uh, you know, with, yes, yes. Um, Oh, that's a good question. Thank you. That's a good question. By the way, I, I'm learning a lot from you. Um, <laughs> the, um, you know, we, you know, a, a good, incisive question makes one think, and that that alone is uh, teaches oftentimes. The uh, well, my wife, uh, we have goats, and my wife sweeps up the the goat turds and and uh, makes soil. Um, we're always building up the soil. She has a good feeling for, you know, we are building soil. You know, every year there's more soil than the year before. And she's making raised beds and, uh, and everything's getting richer and deeper. And my island, uh, a long time ago, with 700 years when it, when it was first named and we have a we, you know, history of, had no dirt. It was, we, we, were, we were making salt. And so we traded salt. And the other islands were doing farming. The uh, the gardens of my island are really deep, rich dirt. You can see that we had seaweed all the time. When I'm so, to answer my question, number one, the soil is first off most important. I take seaweed that washes up on the shore and mix it in the dirt and build that up. I'm doing experiments now where I'm mixing seaweed with sand and trying to grow sugar beets. Getting back to the idea of. Uh, uh, Food and entertainment. I want to make whiskey. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds uh, awesome. Or liquor from sugar beets. Um, that's that's my. I'm trying to focus on that one thing because there's so many things to do. But anyway, our, our uh, the goats eat the weeds and trees. Like the the neighbors, you know, the people that own the land, as you mentioned, like even in the U.S., they're old people. There's all this land available. And so, we, you know, we take our goats where these other lands were, you know, we, we do them a favor by, you know, having them graze there. And my wife gets a, a, a four liters, just over a gallon of milk every day and makes cheese and uh, uh, butter now from the goat milk. And so that's, that's you awesome. know, self and I can't believe she does it, you know, because it's a lot of work. She has to milk twice a day, morning and evening. And, uh, she probably really enjoys it, though, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah, she does. I think I think she's like like you as well. You know, we're all engineers and we 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 it's it's fun. You know, this is how things work and you can, you know, try different ways of doing it. It's we're always doing experiments. Yeah. Yeah. It's something that I've noticed just with my own experiences is like even just like last weekend, um, my friend Joel came over and we, we just wanted to put more, we needed, I needed to put more wood chips on in my garden. And so we spent like four hours in the blazing heat, shoveling up wood chips, a, a pile in a, in a truck bed and delivering it. But it was just like, man, you know, when I used to work out all the time, I'd go to the gym and then I'd come home and it was like, well, what did I actually do? I just lifted weights and I, and I had this similar soreness and it's like, well, I can actually see what I just did for the last four hours. So I think that's the rewarding part too. Absolutely, I I, I can't agree with you more. The, the, the permaculture and self resilient activities 
solve tons of problems. We're, we, the problem, the, the overall perspective, we've gotten away from the land and from reality. And just getting back to it is what, what we're talking about here. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, but so back to you guys and your resilience, because uh, we can, yeah. we're, I think we're having so much fun talking to each other, Marvin, yeah. we're going to distract ourselves. We started, <laughs> we, started, we started planting olive trees uh, when we first got there. I have about uh, a dozen olive trees in my regular garden near my house, but the goats tend to get loose and they tend to eat them up. And so they're not doing so well. So we bought a farm the next island over. It's a 30-minute canoe ride. That's because awesome. the islands, there's no, there's no waves there. So, so I have these electric canoes I take over, you know, I can take there. Now, did you, uh, did you power the canoes with the solar, uh, did you do like a solar style motor? Well, actually I, I have parts to put that together and I haven't done that yet. I have just batteries and, and, and motors for the moment, but I'm importing, uh, lightweight solar panels right now, actually. And, uh, I am, there's an electric boat festival. I'm, this is off, off topic, but with the electric boat festival, I and the electrical engineer from the island are, are going to where we, we, we have our, you know, solar panel, solar electric boat we're contesting with for fun. So that activity is going on. Um, but yeah, I, I planted 20 uh, olive trees on my farm. Three, it's three acres. Uh, it's not that big, but it's right on the waterfront. It's facing south about five or six weeks ago. Like I was thinking this, like, just like you're saying, you know, I, I'm mowing down all these, uh, all the weeds. You know, we have like three foot tall weeds there to, to make, to find a space to plant trees. And so we're basically taking over this raw land. They had a bunch of citrus trees on it already, but uh, there's, it's mostly vacant. Yeah. So you're... So you're- out it's feel you know this is so much better than when i'm here in the u.s i kind of like go to the gym just to keep my body from falling apart as a you know as a backup measure but the real the real work is you know as you said working out and uh moving chips around or whatever it is pulling weeds planting trees digging yeah 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 it's so fun it's uh i like to mix it up too so i I get a good left rake and a good right right-handed rake. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I see that. Yeah, well just because it's just like uh I I I look at it like uh I guess it like keeps it fun and it keeps it interesting. So whenever I'm like whenever I am like working out in the yard or something, I want to I want everything to be kind of like I want my body to develop cuz I it's kind of ergonomic too in the sense that you don't want one side of your body to be stronger than the other, but also too, you don't want to put the same stress constantly on the same side of the body. You want to mix it up. And, um, but so do you have any other plants? So right now I know you're, you're, they already have fruit trees. You're doing olive trees. Do you have any other like perennial plans for the, that Island? Um, yeah, well, we have, a, we have a, all sorts of different vegetables and fruits and things, but they're very small quantities. My wife's planted triticale. She wants to make our own bread using our own wheat. That's that awesome. And, and this is our, I think she's, been, she's about to harvest the, uh, the wheat probably next week. When, actually, I think she's harvesting it today, actually, she mentioned. Um, and we tried uh, buckwheat, uh, but that's, that's a pain in the butt. So we're, we're basically in experimentation mode. Yeah. Um, 
olive trees take a while. So we plant it because I, because I, I love olive oil. So yeah. that thing is olive trees and olive oil. We have lots of fruit trees already. Um, and I, I want to focus on sugar beets because I learned that sugar beets can handle 10% salt water and we're right on the ocean and insects don't like salt water. So it's a good match. You know, like I can see myself spraying my sugar beets with salt water. They can handle it. Yeah, no, but that's smart too. I mean, that's, that's a principle of, of permaculture, you know, observing your environment to, to, and like what the native plants are for that environment. Absolutely. Uh, in fact, you know, every microclime is different. So you, you should be, uh, or could be writing a, you need a blog. You write a blog on what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm trying to figure out how to best kind of, uh, because it's still like experimental stage for me too. Like we have like our, our farmer's markets and our crops that we know we can sell, but you know, from just, just reading like, uh, uh, listening to like Mark Shepard, who does like restoration agriculture and, and stuff like that, you know, that, that balance, you know, you, you start out with a lot of, um, because perennials take a longer time to grow, just like what you're saying with like your olive, like your olive trees. So that's yeah. coming out. So then you're like, but I can do sugar beets now. And my wife's doing wheat right now. So, you know, you still have the annual plants, but then you just start focusing more and more and, and shifting where you're getting your sources of food from, from the, I mean, that's, that's the way that they kind of describe it. Well, that's a good point. That's all this stuff is not in a basic sense. It's not new at all. It's what our grandparents did. Yeah. Um, what's different is that we have everyone's experience at our fingertips for free instantly and we can put it together. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's what's cool is you know, you wrote that um, even like just with your res local resilience guide. Like I, I look at it all the time, um, the stages of local resilience, and I mean I think it's cool that you know you developed this um, in probably in between Virginia and Japan, and then Charles submitted it. You you posted it to Charles. I I started reading Charles's blog, and then we can link up together. So I think it's, uh, you know, using technology for how it can help us versus, you know, focusing on, I don't know, just focusing on the positive aspects of it. Like there's always going to be assholes. So just what's that? I have a suggestion. Um, stage of local resilience. This, this is really a, a, a major topic that I think we need to just uh, elaborate, Take, starting with the chart. Because we have computer technology, each each uh, subject has different steps within it, and you could develop uh, a, a more comprehensive chart with, and I even go to the point where a person can can take their own experience and check off what they're doing and see how they fare, like what percentage resilience. Let's say you could have resilience quotient. I'm doing this, so I'm 5% of my calories. I mean, it'll tell you. You're yeah. about 5% of the way there. I'm doing so much of my uh, energy. I'm doing this. And, like, the, 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 the blog or the interactive program could tell you, yeah, you're, you're, you're uh, three steps along a 100-step process or something like that. There's a lot that can be done with this view of reality check, of res res how resilient 
Arya, what should you be thinking of for the next step? This is, this is going to be very valuable. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you know, something that I'm, you know, that I realized, I heard, um, I don't know if you've, you've checked out Mark Shepard, but something he had said was he likes to do challenges to people like, can you live off of the foods that you grow out of your yard or even like out of your co-op with with knowing your you know the sources or the trading and and i think you know i would feel miserable at that like i mean i right now i'm getting better like i'm getting you know just because i've been eating a lot more of what's in season but um you know there's still a lot more work to do and it's not like i'm like beating myself up because i'm failing but it, it was like a it's a real it, it was something that was like something that i that i could actually measure for progress um and uh what's that I like that. How can we make that more facile, more easier to do? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's something that I think about. It's something that, you know, um, because I haven't necessarily, you know, this is a new, like it was something I, I knew I needed to do, but then it was like, it was, I guess like for me, like a thought will kind of stay in my head and it, it's kind of like in a, um, kind of like a, uh, incubator in my, in my brain. And then I'll see an opportunity that's like, okay, this is when I need to start working on this. And then it's like, as you're doing something, you, you figure out more and more, okay, how can I make this more efficient? You know, and I, I try to look at my processes and okay, what, where can I, you know, kind of, kind of based on like the 80, 20 principle, like, you know, 80% of your yield or 80% of the yeah. results come from 20% of your efforts. So it's really fine tuning that 20%. And, um, and, and I, so I think it's, it's, um, I think it definitely, I've been trying to take notes personally, but I think, you know, conversations like what we're having is good too. And I think, and I think that's where, you know, the internet still is going to serve a purpose is because, you know, you can build a community just like, um, Agora Agricola, like, the my friend Jammin has that Facebook group and I invited you to it. Um, it's, it's kind of cool. Cause a lot of people in that group, um, are doing their own things. People have different opinions but everybody's pretty peaceful. Like nobody's fighting each other. That's what's cool. And everybody's just all really all about, you know, growing their own food or, or, uh, getting into, you know, permaculture and horticulture. So I, I think, you know, I think, I think together we could all collaboratively build something if, if we all focused on it. I think once, once I have my stuff more, um, streamlined, I think I, I definitely, once I'm out of the experimentation phase, I think that's, it's going to definitely need to because it's, you know, I, I think naturally, I just think that's that's something like because I do want to help people and other people want to help people too. So it's definitely a huge opportunity there. I would like to see we can try that. I mean, prepare, a, you know, an interactive blog would be very helpful. And yeah, to, to re restate that, an interactive blog and just making the effort knowing there's a community and feeling close to other people and being encouraged in that way, every little effort, let's say you have a blog that there's a, you, you log on and you just check off your calories, how many, your, it'll, how many of your calories you came from local, locally, local production. That'll, that activity alone will help get you out of the industrialized processed stuff that we shouldn't be eating. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's, you know, eating, I, th I think that's great too, because I think also, I know for me, and I don't know if you noticed this as well too, when I did start eating local, like in season local produce, which is really recently, like 
I felt way better. And then the fact that I, I had so much more money from not having a grocery bill was great too. Hmm. What's that? Yeah, you're right. So the internet has a lot. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. It would work. A virtual community would work in this way, and it, it could. But I think it's it's mainly. I I don't think. I don't think though that it's like ultimately the solution. I think it's just more of a an assist. It's like uh, you know, it's it's a virtual community that's built from people that are building real communities. If that makes sense. No, it does make sense, and it, it's really a way to introduce people to each other. As I mentioned before, um, because of what I did on the internet, some guys visiting me today from Florida. Yeah, and you're on a podcast today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you. I hope to meet other people and, and read about what their thoughts are uh, from or hear on other podcasts. So this is all very good. This is so much better than just you know. I stopped watching television years ago. But this is what replaces it. It's so much better. This is what technology should be doing. Yeah, I think so. I think it ultimately, um, you know, something that's funny that you've probably noticed, Marvin, especially because I doubt that you spend much time staring at the screen of your cell phone um, just from the sound of our conversation. But I, I, I try to wean myself off of it. I try to keep it as a tool. But I, I do think it's funny. Then, And I think it's a clear indicator of, of just kind of like our society's uh, – um disposition i guess would be might be the right word but you know instead of um you know we have all the knowledge in the world and the history at our fingertips with the internet and instead we just use it to people use it to stalk exes on on social networking or or whatever they use it for or, or keep up with what celebrities are doing and um but i think that's that's a phase i think it's just for me i, I you know i try to be optimist optimistic and i think it's just a phase and i think you know it's it's kind of like you know to make a change you know you and I having a conversation like this is gonna is it's gonna it helps people because it lets people know too that there are you know there's there's other things you can use this for like it's not nothing nothing that that man has created is necessarily good or bad it's it's mainly the way that it's used so um I I think I you know that so that's I I just kind of try to look at it like that now. I do, we are kind of running out of time, but I do want to hit a couple more things. Now, have you guys um, developed like your own, just to get back to resilience, because I was having so much fun getting to you, so I'm going to have to reschedule with you. But um, with money, have you guys, have you guys created your own currency yet? That's a very interesting topic. My wife and I talked a lot about that and researched it. It turns out that from what I can tell, the Japanese, Japan has more alternative currencies than anywhere else, and that the uh, the central government encourages it because central uh, alternative currencies are mostly used to take care of old people. In other words, your 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 old your parents are you know I need someone that's got to take care of them. You don't have time. I'll do it for you. You'll give me something in return. We're going to memorialize this contract using this currency, this alternative currency. Um, we want to do that, but on the other hand. Japan has developed the art of what um, Charles Hugh Smith called uh, the uh, investment. Was it the, uh, we call it a bank account, virtual bank account, where I do something for you without you, without you asking. So you feel obligated to me. Yeah. That, that interaction is so dominant in Japan that 
a lot of it is not written down, but that's what that's what the currency is all about. So, yeah, we're 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 working on it, but we're trying we're fumbling with it because we don't have a really good. We'd like to develop one. We've talked about it. Uh, I've talked to one of the village elders about what how what we're going to do with the old people to help them out when the fiat currency crashes. Everyone seems to understand that. Yeah. And uh, he didn't really. He he answered me as, well, we're we're not going to help them. They're going to help themselves, and we're going to help them help them. You know, I don't know. Yeah. No, he answered it in a way that that. <laughs> answered your question but but like said we're not going to do something but that you really are going to do something in a way like we're not going to you know does that make sense yeah I, what i want to do is uh what i'm trying to do is just get ready when they need help i'll be there with my resources so i'm i'm just exporting lots of solar panels and equipment and tools and materials to to japan so that um, I'm making an oasis and I tell my kids and other people, even the people that work for me as well, you know, I have a, re- a refuge. We, yeah. we got lots of land and we're learning how to, how to work at, at some point. I want, you know, when you, when you, when you're ready, come. Yeah, man, definitely. No, a, a trip to, to a remote Island in Japan sounds awesome. Um, <laughs> I'll definitely, Definitely, uh, for me personally, I definitely love to visit in the near future. Um, but um, well, I tell you what, Marvin, I uh, I know it's Father's Day, so pretty soon uh, you're probably yeah. gonna you're gonna be engaged in some activities. So happy Father's Day! My dad is actually uh, here in town too, and him and I are gonna be having some fun today. But um, yeah, everybody. Um, how, so if people want Marvin, if people want to know more, and if people want to reach out to you and contact you, I'm definitely gonna have you on the podcast again. Because we, I really feel like we just kind of touched the surface of a lot of things. And uh, what, um, what, what do? Uh, um, how how could people get a hold of you? Contact information. My my wife has keeps a blog. Um, I don't know how good it is, but it's my island is Yugeshima. So we have we have Yugeshima.com is our blog, and you can contact us that way. Yugeshima, Shima, Jima, Iwa Jima. Hiroshima, Fukushima. Shima means island, S-H-I-M-A. Yuge, Y-U-G-E. Y-U-G-E-S-H-I-M-A.com. Yuge means uh, arrow polisher. 700 years ago, people were, uh, the technologists of the day were kicked out of the mainland because they didn't uh, co- they didn't bow enough to the uh, local warlord and they were banished to our island. That's where Yuge Shima came from. They're arrow makers. You see, hundred years, seven hundred years ago, the main technology was probably arrow, arrow making and stuff like that. That's very cool. Um, so they can go there now. If uh, you know, if people want to, with with questions or people have questions for you, is there well, there's con- a, Yeah, there's a contact information there. Okay, fantastic. Um, so well, well, Marvin, thank you guys so much. Uh, thanks for coming on thank you thank you guys so much for listening to the show today but marvin thank you so much for coming on i'm looking forward to having you in the future because i was looking at the uh the list and i we just went down so many rabbit holes which is fun and i didn't <laughs> even get we only covered a few of the topics for the uh stages of resilience and the uh community needs so uh um thanks again for coming on i really appreciate it 
Thanks. I have a lot to look forward to hearing from what you're doing as well. So yeah, hopefully, um, hopefully. I want to know more that you, you have a big, you have a, a separate piece of land that you're developing for the community, I think. Yeah. So it's, uh, so there's a few things. So, um, you know, like I was telling Charles, so it, it was something that it was a challenge and originally I was going to, I was trying to bite off way more than I could chew. Um, because I, I, my first thing was acquired land. Um, and then I just was like, you know, I'll just learn the skills as I go. So I was trying to get like multiple lots from the city, which, oh, wow. uh, and, uh, but they, luckily they kind of put the brakes on it and then they offered me more spots. And I was just like, man, I'm barely managing to get this one ready. So, um, it's yeah, not that it's not that I'm barely managing it, but it's just the amount of work that it, it takes to put into it. I didn't ex I didn't I knew it'd be a lot of work, but it was just kind of like more and more. It's like okay, as I was moving, it's I want to slow down because it's like okay, well, wait a minute, how am I actually doing this? And then I really s discovered permaculture, so I'm kind of like I'm just kind of fine toning what exactly I want to do it for that and getting more and more vision. So I just realized I was being too hasty, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, your 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 eyes are bigger than your stomach, kind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it was just a, I had an ambition and an eagerness to to make a difference, and I think um, you know sometimes I'm, I'm I'm definitely one that's a slave of my own ambition, so it's it's easy to get to, for things to get uh, out of out of hand. So sometimes I like to talk to you about that because I have a biochemical perspective of that. In other words, I would want to monitor and measure progress in building the soil using simple testing and recordation. Yeah, no, that sounds great because I think um, I think that's the biggest thing, and especially in urban lots, I think you know having an easy way for people to test their soil um, is good. Anyways, just because urban lots, there's there's a lot of I mean, and this is something else we can get into, like because in the city in the states, I mean, there's there's always a lot of metals and stuff like that that you have to be aware of or pollution. Yeah. Um, so you know, so that's something else. I mean, building building layers on layers on top of the soil is really the key especially if you do want to yield food that people can eat. So, um, but yeah, that's, we'll definitely cover that in the future. So everybody who's listening today, stay tuned. I'm going to, we'll have Marvin on again and we'll talk about soil a lot more and some other stuff. So um, everybody, thanks for listening. Marvin, thanks. Thank you once again, you. go to his website. You'll see a link in the notes and uh, thank you guys again. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Everybody's down on me Lord, everywhere I go, baby Seems like everybody's down on me